You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening, and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. In it, I talk to someone who is a person of note, and we listen to music of their choice. Tonight, my guest is Andre Hutton. Welcome. Hello, darling, beloved, gorgeous Richard. It's so nice to see you. I haven't seen you for years. <laughs> I know. Well, you haven't been peeping, but I peep at you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know you said you'd just seen our, our video of Osieza. Yes. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. I cried the entire way through, and I shared it on Facebook until I was blue in the face. Fantastic. Well, I hope, I hope everyone's seen it by now, because <laughs> we've had a lot of views. When I last looked, it was about 40,000 or something. There you go. Yeah. See. So this is very it good. It wonderful. But we're not here to talk about uh, my videos. We're here to talk about you. And how do I introduce you? Tell us what you are. I mean, if I was saying Andre Hutting, singer, actress, uh, fashion designer, what else? Yes, well, um, a friend of mine once came up with a nice little version, and she said, star of stage, screen, and sewing machine. <laughs> and that it was, even has a rhythm to it. Yes, that was Moira McMurray, I must yeah. say. that she, <laughs> And we often use that because it's fun, and I like yeah. making people laugh, so... Well, and where did this all start? Because I see you started performing quite young. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, probably when I first opened my eyes, I was um, already convinced that I was going to go on stage. <laughs> and Did uh, you make a dramatic entrance? <laughs> I did, yes, with a very loud voice, I think. <laughs> and, um, no, well, right from – I came from a musical family. And um, I think my first uh, recollections of music were – that I have two beloved sisters who used to, um, they were older than me and used to torture me and, and tease me and make me do all the dirty work. Like, for instance, they'd like to play the organ and their legs weren't long enough to play the pedals or the uh, bellows. So I had to climb underneath the organ and do that job. Where was this? <laughs> it was on a farm um, in Winterton. In, near the Drakensberg. Okay. And I lived there until, unfortunately, my darling father got killed in a car um, hit-and-run accident, and we had to move off the farm when I was very little. What a sadness, because that's a yes. beautiful part of the world. Oh, it was a beautiful part of yeah. the world. I still feel like I'm going home when I go over that Venerian Pass and yeah. say, there's home. Yeah. <laughs> And then where did you go? Did you move to Joburg then? Or um, no, actually, uh, we, we moved to the roaring metropolis of Colenso, which was a one-horse town, and the, the horse sort of had died a few years ago. And uh, my mother became a teacher, and um, we lived there for, for some time. And then Ladysmith, and I was at school in, in Peter Maritzburg at Epworth uh, School, and th that was a wonderful school where I could uh, fulfill my dreams to start singing, you know, um, in a choir, which was close to your heart. Because in those days, they had a fantastic um, choir called um, the Natal Schools Choir, and the provincial um, department paid for people to be chosen from schools, the best singers, and you could go and sing on this, um, every holiday we'd go and, and learn all these classical songs beforehand, and then we'd go and sing together. Who and, ran that choir? Um, Hein de Villiers. Oh, I remember that yes. name. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so that was a wonderful opening to yeah. to traveling around as a youngster. So that's, but you had sort of performing and singing and acting in your blood. Oh, yes, absolutely. My father apparently was very much like Bing Crosby. And uh, my mother was an elocution teacher. So, so, oh, so you learned it all at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had it all wrapped up at home. <laughs> and your first choice of music uh, is very appropriate, starting here, starting now? Yes, yes. It was one of the first um, musical reviews that I did. Uh, when I came up to Johannesburg. And I chose that song because actually the song describes uh, a family and it made me think of my beginnings um, of with sisters and brothers who didn't like me or were irritated by me because I was called Chirpan and I never stopped talking. And so this, this song is, it sounds sad, but it's actually quite funny. Starting here, starting now. So that was my guest on People of Note, Andre Hutting, performing starting here, starting now. And that's a really good place to start 
on this program with your first piece of music. All the songs in tonight's program are you. Yes. Yeah. Wasn't that a lovely opportunity? A to wonderful opportunity. <laughs> yes. To sing you songs from all sorts of parts of my life. Yeah. And and you've had a rich and full life. I have had an absolutely wonderful life. I've had the most incredible opportunities, the most incredible dramas, crises, tragedies, wonderful things. Um, so I would say it's a very colorful life. Yeah. And and you always dress so stylishly. Oh, thank where, you. Where, is that from somewhere in your family too? Or is that somewhere? Because, you know, I remember my own daughter. Yes. From when she was little, she loved dressing up. Did you too? Oh, yes. No, absolutely. I think as far as I remember, I was always wearing things on my head. And, and my, my mother was somebody who was Mrs. Hatting for nothing because she always wore a hat, beads, and a handbag and shoes that all matched. Wow. <laughs> Even in Colenso. Even in Colenso, they always say, oh, Mrs. Hatting, here she comes. <laughs> so you've had a sort of a dramatic upbringing, if you like, because, I mean, obviously, she's, was she quite a dramatic person? Uh, no, not really. Um, but she, she was when she was performing. Yeah. But in real life, she was quite a quiet, uh, soft-spoken person. Was she a musician? No. Or no, just no, an electrician. No, my grandmothers teacher. were. Yeah. They they loved playing the piano, and yeah. so we, we we sort of taught right from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm just wondering where this flamboyance in your own life comes from. Oh, it's probably my father and my grandmother. My mother's mother was um, sort of like she she always apparently my mum said she thought she was Sarah Bernhardt. <laughs> <laughs> and then my my father was often uh, he was a real comedian, and I think that's probably yeah. I got the funny bone from him. And your sisters? And um, they're all very musical. All sang with us, and uh, I still, as I told you, have yeah. sung with my sister still. So then. just tell me about this debut that you made when you were thirteen. It says that you toured South Africa singing your own compositions. Yes, actually, um, that was a very. Uh, early beginnings, um, my uh, sister Jenny, uh, whom I sing with now, she actually um, uh, was just a couple of years older than me, and we were in a teen club. And at this teen club, we used to play, um, she used to watch somebody playing the guitar, and one day she said, oh, I'm just going to learn to play myself. You know, this is ridiculous. We've got to learn to play. And she got my mother to buy us a, a little guitar called a teenager. And she used to go and check out all the chords and come home and play the guitar. And then I'd check her out. And in the end, we both played the guitar. And we were spotted while we were singing at one of these um, church events because church always the thing, the place where we all learn, don't we? Hey, Richard, I know yeah. you were also very much <laughs> into the church. And we sang um, with the uh, little duet, Die Hotting Sisters. And we were spotted by some impresario, and he said, wouldn't you like to be the supporting act of Grup Dweer, who were this wonderful touring group, um, an Afrikaans group uh, a duo? And that's how we landed up touring around the country with um, as little professionals at that age. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Did someone go with you? Yes, my mother. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't let her daughters oh, out no, of no, sight. not on no. the stage, Mrs. <laughs> Wellington. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's an amazing story. So yeah. did you go all around? Yeah, we went. We, we traveled around uh, little towns. Probably two little towns, things, I was going to say. Yes, yeah. two little towns. Yeah. Priska and Poffard. And Harry Schmidt. And Bart Skierdes Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> always loved that. Uh, yeah. I had Rocco. De Villiers on this program, and he talked about playing in Bart Skierda's Boss. Can you imagine? Isn't that lovely? It's, it's nearly as bad as Gilbert <laughs> Freck van Dors. <laughs> now, your second choice. Uh, you'll have to tell us about these songs. Yes, yes, because I'll tell you. Because the second one is Pippin. It's from Pippin. Okay, so um, why I've chosen that one is because uh, when I left university, um, I had uh, decided that um, musical comedy was the answer to my future because I did try classical music and um, I, I was studying singing at um, university and my uh, wonderful um, music teacher, voice teacher, Bruce Martin, um, after my first uh, great big you know, exam and I had to sing uh, some leader, Mozart leader, and I, I couldn't take it seriously, you see. So I sang it perfectly, but I, I kind of sent it up in a way. 
And uh, so he called me back at the office and he said, Miss Hatting, may I suggest you have a lovely voice and great potential. May I suggest you go into musical comedy? And so I definitely went straight into musical comedy. As I left university, it was extraordinary because um, a friend had said to me, they're auditioning in Johannesburg. Now, I'm a little blas girl, and to go to Johannesburg was huge. They're auditioning for this enormous Broadway musical at His Majesty's Theatre. And um, you must go because you just write for it. So I learned all the songs from the LP because she gave me the LP. And I went for the audition. It was at Des and Dawn Lindbergh's huge house in Houghton. And I went and auditioned there. And lo and behold, I got the role. Um, you know, apart from the fact that every known actress in town was going for it. And this is the part you're going to hear me now singing. I'm an average, ordinary kind of woman. It's so interesting hearing these stories about Bruce Martin and Des and Dawn because uh, these people are legends in South Africa. Absolutely fantastic, yeah. yes. Yeah. And there are many of them. Yes. And, but I want to know how many of these professional singers that you upstaged, what did they think about you? Did they ever forgive you? Uh, well, I, su- oh, I don't know. I, I never found that out. But you know what? There's always that kind of professional jealousy. And, but I, ha- I did, must, I must say, I had a wonderful kickstart to my life because it was a showcase uh, to be able to sing in a show like that. And after that, I had my, the doors were open. I, yeah. I played lead in many, many, many musicals after that. Yeah. yeah. And how long did you have that sort of life? of being in musicals? Um, It felt like an enormous length of time, but as you get older, 13 or 14 years isn't that long, you know? So it was probably about 15 years. Yeah, and just tell us about His Majesty's, because that's a famous name too. His Majesty's Theatre in good old Johannesburg when theatre was alive and well and kicking and you had glorious audiences. And um, it was in the center of town, uh, a beautiful plush 3,000-seater. It was like going overseas and performing in those amazing theaters they have in London. And, um, you know, uh, next door was another great one called the Coliseum, that the sky was all stars. And um, I loved going to His Majesty's Theater, and I had a little banged-out Fiat that I got – that I used to drive, and it, in fact, at one stage, it had no windows, and um, it was so safe. You could drive into Johannesburg, park your car with no windows, <laughs> it would still be there, and you could drive home safely as a young girl. Yeah. So that, that life went on, and it's a very special life, that life in, in a theater. Yes. And you must have had lots of uh, friends and colleagues that you worked with in those days. Oh yes, um, had wonderful experiences. Um, of course, there there were the impresarios. You know, um, Toby Kushlik was one of the great characters. And Junior you know, Darling, she'd always talk like this. Darling, 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 you, oh, you rubbish! You, you, you must go home and learn your lines. You know, and uh, she was always draped in various things and earrings and dripping with jewels. And she could be as mean as anything, but she really loved me, so I was very fortunate. And she was good at what she did. She was good at what she did. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm sure there are many characters like that that have that have come and gone. Um, I'm just trying to think of the the two names that. And the Bricklebergs, the, yes, I worked the Brickle for them. Burks, that's what I was uh, trying the Bricklebergs, yeah. they were fantastic yeah. people. I loved Joan and Louie, and uh, I did some shows for them. And then also, of course, the person who gave me the most opportunity was Peter Turin. Um, because uh, I think if somebody asked me what kind of musical theater I liked the most, was wasn't getting trapped in one particular um, character. I loved musical review, where I could play several different characters and each time play somebody else. And entertain and make people laugh, and that's that was my forte, yeah. I think. And isn't it amazing that he's still going at Theatre on the Bay? Yes, yes, and yeah. he well, still has still going. I mean, it's shut up now for a while. Oh no, God yeah. bless all the people in theatre. Yeah. Really, it's really difficult. Yeah. Yes, and he still has a very few fingers in the pie at the Monte Cassino, you know, and uh, so I think uh, he's he's been a remarkable person. Um, yeah. And and still going, still will be yes. a remarkable person. I'm just yes. looking at some of the 
the uh, names of shows that you were in, like Little Shop of Horrors, Side by Side by Sondheim, yes. uh, Tom Foolery. Yes. Uh, these are all sort of legendary shows, too. Yes, well, I, I had great fun because, um, in fact, I, unfortunately, I don't have recordings of those shows. Um, but uh, just to just for fun, I can sing you a verse out of one of those songs like Tom Foolery, which was um, probably the most longest-running show that I was in, about three years on and off. And... Um, Everyone to this day, even though it was in 1978 that I did the show, they still remember me for the character of the Irish witch. And um, it was a song that went like this. About a maid I'll sing you a song, rickety-tickety-tin. About a maid I'll sing you a song who did not have her family long. Not only did she do them wrong, but she did every one of them in. Them in. She did every one of them in. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I, You know, when I think of songs that you remember from way back that you can still just drop out, at yes. the, you know, so easily. Yeah. It's an amazing thing how you remember all the words from, yes. from uh, you know, movies that we used to go and see often. Yes. You can remember whole scripts from yeah. movies. I'm sure well, you I'm do. Well, I'm sure too. you do, yeah. and my husband does, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just a dumb blonde. <laughs> and your next choice is crossword puzzle. Yes, this this was um, from an early uh, musical review, and it was uh, produced by Peter Turin, and I, I played uh, with Richard Loring. Um, in that one, and uh, the song is actually about um, a girl doing a crossword puzzle, and she's a very intelligent young woman, um, and she'd obviously got involved with a man of less intelligence, and uh, she got very cross because he ran with some floozy who had no brains, and this story comes out while she's doing the crossword puzzle. And it goes at a thousand miles an hour, which was very difficult to sing. I have, when I was young, I was very much a Sondheim type of singer and could patter out thousands of words per minute. So just hold on, guys. Put your safety belts on. Here comes Crossword Puzzle. That was Crossword Puzzle from Starting Here, Starting Now. Is it Starting Here? Yes, Starting yes. Here, Starting Now. Yes. And uh, performed by my guest on People of Note, Andre Hutting. And, of course, you were around when TV got going here, and you were soon on TV with Bangalore time. Yes, that was another lucky thing. I mean, I just was in the right place at the right time. Um, uh, Janice Honeyman had been doing a, a children's show called Bangalore time, and she no longer um, w wanted to do it, or she was busy doing something else, so they looked for so uh, someone to take over. And it was a great chance for me because... I then could use my um, ability to write songs. And so I wrote a song a week um, and performed the entire show telling children's stories, and I'd write the song that went with it. And so that was quite a, a wonderful chance. And I, f I think I found a contract recently that was 28 rand a week. <laughs> <laughs> you were rich. I was very rich. <laughs> 28 rand a week. Gosh, and then you went on, of course, to have your own show, The Andre Hutting Show. Oh, yes, that was on television. Yes, yeah, it was a sort of like a musical variety thing where, you know, you danced and sang and um, entertained various little snippets and things. I'm just trying to think who was head of variety, probably Jerry Bossman or someone, was it? Yes, who was, that's yeah, right, was it was Jerry Bossman. Bossman. Gosh, you've yeah. got a good memory. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I don't know whether the songs here link up to those uh, um, programs at all, but last thing on my mind? Oh, yes. Now, that that's a, a big leap in, in time because it's actually um, uh, why I'm playing that song is because a friend of mine, uh, Rail Burns, um, actually died of COVID complications a few weeks ago, and um, he was a great chap because uh, – when I had decided to to get out of show business, uh, which was an extraordinary experience, um, it wasn't really a, a decision. It was kind of forced upon me because my wonderful late husband, Peter Noel Barham, had, had a fantastic restaurants, and he decided to put all his money into an investment of a beautiful flagship restaurant at Gold Reef City. And unbeknownst to him, he had some small print in the contract that if Gold Reef City went bankrupt, um, they would take everything we owned. 
and that what's happened. So overnight, we lost everything we possessed. And to try and help my husband, I decided I would couldn't just sing for my supper because I'd got 23 rand from Peter Turin a week. Uh, I would then have to do something uh, about earning a living. And so I started my business as uh, as a dress designer with no knowledge at all on how to run a business, not one lesson in making clothing. Um, it was just an absolute hint that I knew how to do it for myself, so I knew I was going to do it for others. And so that was a long period of time where I really struggled and had to try and find a way to sell my clothes, and I used to sell them at flea markets. And during that period of time, which was 12 years, I um, I lost my husband, and he died. And it was a major, <clears throat> major crisis in my life. And so I struggled with no money and no husband and selling at a flea market for many years. And that was when I met Rail Burns. And he said, oh, darling, what are you doing over there just selling clothes? Oh, no, you've got a lovely voice. Come and sing with me. And uh, so he invited me to sing with the Waldorf band f for, a, you know, for a little while. And uh, that's where that song comes from. Okay, last thing on my mind. That was my guest on People of Note, Andre Hutting, singing Last Thing on My Mind. Actually, just talking for a moment about Rail Burns, because um, he used to come quite regularly to Baroque in the Bush, which we do once we've been doing for many years. Yeah. And it was a tradition that one of the evenings that we were there, we would all get around with him and his mates and sing. He was a guitarist yes, also. Yes, that's right. And we always used to gather around and sing. Uh, so he obviously enjoyed that part of life too. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I think he really enjoyed his his music. Yeah, it's very interesting though, um, the, the people, because I'm getting messages now from the, the Cape where I was at school about people who are uh, dying from COVID. He's one of them, certainly. Yes, he's one of them. And yeah. then uh, the very well-known agent, she was my agent um, at some time, Munin Lee. Yes, She's I heard also, about that. Yeah. Uh, yesterday right. too, yeah, yeah, and some teachers who taught me at school mm. are now going there. I mean, oh. they're in their eighties. Yes, but so still, they're it's vulnerable. A no, it's not a sad not a good thing, thing to yeah. just get pushed over the edge. And the most uh, awful part is is the loneliness yeah. of not being able to be surrounded by the people who love you. Yeah, you know, no, it's it's yeah. a terrible thing. And because we're all on this journey, I see from Journey of Love is your uh, your next CD. Because actually, that's where we are we're on a journey of love through life yes um and we we are lucky you and i that we can share what we love with the people who How love it blessed we are uh, i know because music is such a, a wonderful joy yeah. to yourself and to others yeah yeah and and the title of your next uh piece is there's a love lost and yes. This is a time for that. Yes, that's yeah. right. And this is the; these are all my own compositions. Um, and uh, "Love Lost" is a song that I wrote um, because I had lost my husband, and so it came on the album of "Journey of Love," which was the "Journey of Love" album that I wrote. Had songs about finding and losing and experiencing love. Here it comes. There's a love lost. That was Andre Hutting singing There's a Love Lost. Let's talk about your your those 11 years or 12 years you mentioned where you were designing clothing. Yes. Because um, that, I mean, it's quite a long way. I suppose you, you had a flair for this sort of, you know, things. Yes, I, I did have an, an immense flair for, for um, the way that I dressed and it was an individual type of style and uh, people always used to admire it and uh, say, oh gosh, you know, where did you get that? And so that's how that sort of uh, gave me the confidence to start and then um, having absolutely no money so people who are listening to this 
must realize that you can start with all, no money, no education, well, no anything. Start again. Start again. again. Yeah. And I had a suitcase full of beautiful bedspreads that I'd bought in Afghanistan or somewhere. And I said, I'm going to use these because then I don't have to outlay um, any money on fabrics. So I made all these amazing clothes. And the, the interesting thing was, even though I didn't have any money to promote it, um, I was very famous at that time. And uh, I w- it was easy to get onto the front page of the Sunday Times and to have a whole vid- you know, television show on your, you and your fashions. And I got all my famous friends, you know, from Bruce Miller, Michael Richard, Graham Clark, all these guys all wearing the jackets and then all the girls. Um, and we had a big fashion show and it was like an enormous launch. Andre Hatting makes big, you know. Meanwhile, on the Dwali Dave Rond and I had absolutely nothing. And I used to go and knock on doors at, at shops and say, because um, I didn't know how do you sell these now after the fashion show? What do you do? So I used to go around the malls and knock on doors and say, would you like to see my clothes and put some in your shop? It was a very difficult time because everybody would look at them and say, no, they don't look anything like our shop. <laughs> and of course they didn't. And then I, then I, so then I decided, well, the only way to do it is to go through a flea market. So I started at the Rosebank Market. And then I moved on to the Michael Mount Organic Market. And... Uh, during this period of time of making these clothes, it's always because I was able to find unusual fabrics. And it was really that that made the stamp of my clothes different. Yeah, because I think um, my wife, Sue, has got a couple oh, yes, of jackets. Got, yes, that's uh, right, from my made. African yes. uh, collection. Yeah, they're beautiful. Hand-painted. Yeah, yes. they're really beautiful. That's right. um, so that lasted 12 years, and what brought that to an end? Um, no, that actually lasted 25 years. Oh, 25 yes. years. Uh, but the flea markets were 12 yeah. years. So what happened was, when I was at the flea market, I brought out um, a collection of amazing clothes that I'd found a fabric in Indonesia. And uh, the, these beautiful clothes, I made a collection called um, uh, Images of Africa. And uh, some lady came walking past one day and she said, oh, little French lady, and she said, oh, Andre, your, your clothes are so beautiful. Um, why don't you come and represent South Africa in France? And uh, at the South African embassy, whatever, it's trade fair. So I said, oh, I'd love to do that. So I bonded my house and I made 500 garments, absolutely, you know, on spec, and traipsed off to France with my beloved sister Jenny, and we and, went and a lot of suitcases. And, and, and they actually, thank goodness, packed all these things besides me. Otherwise, it would have been a lot of suitcases. And um, we we uh, I exhibited the clothes and sold them at uh, this fair in in Paris, and it was amazing. They all sold out. And so when I came back, I was a success, yeah. and I could start my own boutique, uh, which I did at my studio in Parktown North. Yeah, you were now a French couturier. I was the real thing, you oh, know. Wonderful. Oui, oui. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an, what an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. So that was so, a journey of love, for yes, sure. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Which is your next choice. <laughs> yes. This, this journey of love is, uh, it's expresses all my, my feelings at the time, yeah. That was Journey of Love, written and performed by Andre Hutton, my guest in People of Note. Now, you have mentioned there a bit about travel. You, you mentioned just in passing yes. uh, Afghanistan <laughs> and Indonesia and France. Have you traveled a lot? I've, I've been an absolute, that's, that's the thing that I love the most um, besides music, is, is traveling. And uh, I have had great opportunities and, and amazing stories to tell about how I found the fabric from Indonesia. I'll quickly tell you that story was um, I was really on the bones of the proverbial, you know what, and uh, I didn't know what a next collection would be. I'd lost my husband. I didn't know what to do. And I was on the beach visiting my um, 
my stepdaughter for a few days respite after my husband's death. And on the beach, I saw a girl wrapped in a magnificent sarong. And I ran up to her and I said, I know that wherever you got that, it's going to change my life. And she told me it was from the small island called Bali in Indonesia. And I'd never heard of it because in 1996, nobody had heard of uh, Bali, Indonesia. So I, I phoned my sister, who was always gay, and I said to her, listen, um, I am, I'm going to Indonesia. I don't have any money, but we've got credit cards, and I'm going to, to change my life. So you must come with me, and, and we'll go and find this fabric. I'm telling you, it's going to change my life. So off we went uh, with our credit cards on, you know, maxed, and traveled right across the world to Indonesia, where we promptly got um, uh, what you call it when they throw you out of the country because we deported. didn't have, yes deported, and we had to go back to Singapore. Anyway, eventually arrived in, in Bali, and I looked and looked, couldn't find the f garments, fabrics, and eventually we found them. And it was like the end of the rainbow for me because I knew this was the beginning of a new life. And then I found a factory, and eventually the, the, the clothing business grew, me going back. I went um, 25 times to Indonesia and brought out new collections, sometimes twice a year. And have you been to other places too? Uh, yes, yes. I've traveled to um, uh, well, a lot of the Far East because I would go on those trips. I would go to, you know, Singapore, Malaysia, um, Vietnam, Cambodia. So you discovered other sources of fabrics yes, too. Yes, and yeah. silks in Cambodia yeah. and, and, and Vietnam and various other places. So, And then India, of course. Your next choice, perhaps you did wait all your life to do all these travels. <laughs> uh, just tell us about Waited All I My waited Life. Waited All My Life. I wrote this song. Because after all this heartbreak of losing a husband, I thought I'd never fall in love again. And I fell in love with the most amazing guy who was quite a few years younger than I and the most delicious young man. And um, A toy boy. Uh, <laughs> well, I think everybody thought so, but I didn't. I thought this was the end of the rainbow. And he was all the way from Romania. And uh, so I wrote him this song. It's called Waited All My Life. Waited All My Life. And did that go anywhere? <laughs> yes, it took me to Romania. And when I got there, I thought, no, I'd rather remain here. <laughs> because <laughs> it was definitely not my kind of world. I arrived there to visit him at one, one point. And uh, it, it was, it, I couldn't believe it. And Africa is such a colorful place. And there it was winter and everything was black and white. And uh, I got onto this train and I was dressed in a leopard skin outfit with a leopard skin hat on and a huge uh, amount of, uh, you know, excitement to see this wonderful young man again. And he kept on telling me to shoo because, shh, shh, no, Andre, don't make so much noise. Because there were all these uh, people on the train who wouldn't say boo to a goose, all wrapped in black ducks and going and, and yeah I was going it's so wonderful to be here <laughs> so I really was not fitting into Romania and also it was a wonderful romance but I knew it wasn't forever yeah mm. <laughs> so you've, you've obviously had some dramas in your life too I've had it's, plenty of yeah. dramas <laughs> so growing in peace uh, was not part of your repertoire <laughs> Because no. I see that's your next choice. <laughs> yes. No, well, what happened with Growing in Peace is uh, it's called Let Me Grow in Peace. Has got an, uh, has got an incredible um, uh, time in my life. Was I, was, I was madly writing songs then. And this song, um, I was sitting on my bed one day painting my fingers. And I uh, saw Oprah Winfrey. And she had this wonderful girl on the, on the uh, television. And she was saying, it doesn't matter how small or insignificant we may think we are we can all make a difference in the world. Now, I've always been a person who wants to make a difference in the world. And she had saved a whole forest of redwood trees from being chopped down by sitting in a little, like a little shack in the tree. And she saved, and I thought, I want to do something wonderful too. I want to save the world. What can I do? And I wrote the song in one stream of consciousness, the whole song and all the words. And I was convinced that this song is going to make a difference in the world. 
I didn't know how. And, you know, in no time it was chosen as the song for South Africa's children. And it was going to be performed for 40,000 people. And um, I would be singing it with the top choir that uh, that won an um, uh a prize for the best schools choir, and it was the Stockermeli Primary School in Heidelberg that won the prize. And I went along to the school um, to go and hear them singing my song, which was terribly exciting. And um, while they were singing the song, which was just wonderful, I saw in the front row was this little boy. He was so enthusiastic in singing. And he was hugely deformed. He had enormous growth on his face. And something kept on saying to me, go and speak to the headmistress afterwards. And I went and I said, this little boy with this lovely voice, has anybody ever tried to see if they can help him? Yes, he's an orphan. He doesn't have a mother or father. He lives with his grandmother. He's not able to do, they, they've looked at them. They don't think they can operate. Well, I didn't take no for an answer. And I got him up to see a specialist, um, Professor Decker, and he did various tests and he said he can operate and he changed this boy's life. And he's still, he's still my boy and he's now about 28 and has his own children. What a wonderful and, story. Yeah, and so yeah. it did make a difference in the world. Yeah. Let me grow in peace. Let me grow in peace, sung by Andre Hutting, my guest in People of Note. And talking of that you've also had your own health challenges. Oh, yes, I certainly have. Um, I had uh, um, what happened in my life after Let Me Grow in Peace was that it was the most, the, the listeners will be very happy to hear that I did find the man of my dreams. <laughs> and <laughs> I've now been married to Anthony and been together for nearly 18 years. And, and he's a playwright. And right? he's a playwright and a, a wonderful um uh, writer, and he's just finished writing his book. Um, he's written a memoir that he just finished writing, but he's a wonderful playwright and he's performed his works all over the world and directed plays. And I, I met this fantastic guy, fell madly in love with him and married him in no time at all. <laughs> and um, shortly after we got married, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer, colon cancer. And it was uh, a huge shock because there I'd found happiness and knew that I had my whole life ahead of me um, to live and to love. And uh, it was very difficult because um, I had to have this major serious operation and then have chemotherapy afterwards. And, you know, I've always thought uh, that all these challenges that have come my way uh, have enriched my life. And it was during that time I think I wrote the best songs and I wrote an album called Change Your World. And um, I, that's uh, basically f what happened. And so I, something good came out of my, my experience and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the song is Tomorrow's Child. But, but perhaps we should just talk here about yes. the good things that have or can come out of a crisis like COVID-19. Absolutely. And I'm sure there will be many good stories that come out of this. People, for example, learning multiple new skills. You know, Richard, it's exactly what I was thinking this morning. I was thinking that the, the crises in my life have made me and helped me think differently. And the world on a grand scale is going through one of those crises. And then we can choose now whether we're going to be victims or whether we're going to do something great and change the way we are in our lives. And it's extraordinary because if I look at my life, it's about what you think. And if we can change the way, if every people in the world just change the way they think about um, the world and each other. If we can just change how we think about the guy who's right next to you, because many people say, well, what are we going to do now? We're in this COVID crisis. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's you don't have to do anything. You just have to think differently. And the first thought is to be grateful for what you got, not for losing everything. And the second thing is that you got to care and love for, your, for the people immediately around you and understand them. And care for people immediately. Now imagine if you, me, everyone, my dabba, dabba. beautiful sound engineer, everyone practiced this. The whole world would be different, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, because this has been a great leveler because it's mm. hit everyone and anyone, high, low, rich, poor. It's It's got no boundaries. No boundaries yeah. at all. So, and it's all over the world. Yeah. You know. And yeah. and we've just and and strangely enough, I mean, it it knocked the the rich world first. Yes. The the first world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and we've got a lot to learn from that, and I'm sure we have, and mm. we'll find new ways to overcome these difficulties, mm. as so many people have already. I was yes. talking uh, last week on on people of note. We had a Monica Newton from the National Arts Festival. They've had to find a whole new way. Yes. Of presenting themselves. That's right. And so it is a creative time. And even during this lockdown time, um, I was writing songs and my husband's filming them and I'm putting them on Facebook. So <laughs> I've got a whole lockdown album now, chaps. So you just go onto YouTube and have a look at me. <laughs> and we'll hear about that in a moment. Let's listen to Tomorrow's Child. That was Tomorrow's Child. Performed and written by Andre Hutting, who's my guest in People of Note. That's the program you're listening to on Classic 1027. It's broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. I'm Richard Koch, and every week I have an interesting and stunning guest. And tonight is no exception. <laughs> so tell us, Andre, where people can find information about you and your songs and so on. Where do they go for that? Uh, well, um, my... Uh album Change Your World is on iTunes and so is Journey of Love is on iTunes and then uh, I haven't recorded the lockdown songs professionally but if people would like to see a simple video of me singing them at home um, and it's all very appropriate um, things about how I see there's a new world coming um, that we are children of the universe those are, th are two different titles and then um, the last one I wrote was, uh, it's a sort of a, a kind of country song, which is very, um, very emotional uh, because I had just then heard about the people that are close to me dying and it's all about uh, the storm clouds that are coming and that I want to, you know, it's take me back to my childhood and my safety that I'm longing for. Yeah. So do you often look back at your childhood those days in Winterton and Colenso and Epworth girls and and realize the long journey that you've come to where you are now you know I'm I'm a very sentimental person and everyone who's come into my life somewhere I treasure and I treasure all those friends and I have many friends still from school and uh, I have I, I think that it's it's a a wonderful thing to to remember and to be grateful for what the 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 wealth in one's life is really the friends that you have and that's my wealth so your leaves stay green yes this song is very uh, close to my heart this is the song that i felt um, expressed my feelings of when doesn't matter that i was going through um, a crisis of life and death and that I, my leaves would stay green in the winter snow. My Leaves Stay Green, a song by Andre Hutton. Now, one of the shows you've done uh, more recently was uh, Forever Young. And, and you seem to be forever young, <laughs> if I may say so. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, uh, uh, actually, the shows that I do now at this time of my life, are um, uh, uh, involved with my um, present life, which is uh, after I closed my clothing business, which was a few years ago, um, I decided that I wanted to go back into music. And uh, and it, not in a big way of trying to be back on Broadway like I did when I was young, but uh, just to sing and to make people happy and at the same time make me happy. So I decided that I will start singing again, which was at that stage I thought I had to do like the, what I had experienced before many years of doing cabaret. And I would have a backing track and uh, I would sing to this backing track. And instead I discovered that, no, I don't actually really like that because then I have to pay for people to make a backing track and sing to it and so on. Why don't I wake up my rusty skills in playing the guitar 
And so I went back to class, and I still do. I learned with a wonderful lady called um, Joanna Czerny, and um, she has uh, taken on this geriatric, and we've really brushed up and honed my skills. And my sister saw me doing this, and she joined in, and so now we're back again to doing what we did when we were youngsters. We have created a show called Forever Young. So it's like the circle of life, really. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and the song, uh, well, I don't know if Colors is... No, it's actually it. no. before the Forever Young songs. Yeah. Colors, um, that you're going to hear now, is actually um, was a song that I based an inspirational talk about. Because as you've heard, um, I can talk a hind leg off a donkey, so it's quite a natural thing for me to do. So I, I created an inspirational show called Colors of My Life, and I would speak about how we can all overcome obstacles in our lives. And so that's how I got to that song, Colors. And here it is. That was Colors, uh, performed by Andre Hutton, and I see now is coming up, uh, Never Find Another You. Yes. <laughs> That's from Forever Young. That's from Forever Young. And and up to COVID was this show running? Oh, all the time. Yes. Yeah. We've we've uh, my my sister and I have become the darlings of the retirement circuit. And we perform for all the old age homes and um uh bring some uh, some cheer to to the older people who are the most wonderful audience because they know every single word, every single song because our show is 60s and 70s music and we play the guitar and we don't have any other backing so we are our own backing and we've put together the most wonderful that you know every single number and um, it's it's too fantastic and we have the most incredible experiences um, that you know performing to to audiences and sometimes it's frail care audiences, and yeah. you, you know. But isn't it sad that that's those are locked down now? Seriously, it's locked terribly down. locked yeah. down, so we can't go there now. Yeah. No, no, not at all. That's the, yeah. One of the saddest things I think is that those people who need company need probably most. more than anyone else yes. uh, are not able to be visited. But and, maybe and fr- we can put them in a taxi, and yeah. they can drive around. <laughs> <laughs> but even and frail cares especially have been hard hit by. COVID. It's very, very bad. And once yeah. it gets into those um, yeah. homes, it's it's quite... Yeah, because there are a few near where we live, mm-hmm. and I know that they're in serious trouble. Yes, yeah. I know. It's it's very, very sad. Yeah. So uh, the song is Never Find Another You. Yes, that was an old Seeker's number. Here it comes. Never Find Another You. That's from the show called Forever Young which Andre Hutting, my guest in People of Note, and her sister are doing. This is an older sister, right? Yes, yes. Her name is Jenny. Yeah. I have two sisters. The eldest sister is Anna Marie, and then there's Jenny. And Anna Marie lives far away, otherwise she'd probably also be part of Forever Young. Did you ever have a, a trio performing like sort of the Andrews sisters? <laughs> yes, I, I think there was a time in our lives when we did that, but um, never professionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you perform... With other people or still solo, or is it just the two of you now that do things together? Well, we haven't been invited to perform with other people. <laughs> I think they say, oh, those Duck Sisters. That's what our name is, Duck yeah. Sisters. And anyone who knows who I am, I'm always in a Duck. In, in yeah. And uh, so we thought that it would be good fun. A friend of mine, Sheila, uh, came up with a name uh, when we were in Paris together. Yeah. And she said, oh, you guys are the real Duck Sisters. And so we just pinched that name and now I've created yeah I think it's a, it's a lovely name <laughs> and with with two of you there it's sort of uh, I see your next song is called both sides now I guess yes. that's not to do with the two of you but what <laughs> yes. is it to do with it is actually a beautiful song um, written by one of the greatest um, folk singers and writers of her time is Joni Mitchell and uh, so it's a, a really um, good wonderful poetry of the 60s you know those good folk songs and she was she was like a female bob dylan strong message yes yeah here it comes both sides now and i love the title of your uh current show well it'll be once we're open up again forever young because you actually you've remained exactly the same ever since i've known you which is many years now well i can say the same for you (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so we can pat each other on the yeah. back. Thanks very much, Richard. That's very kind of you. Um, yes, now the, the title Forever Young is um, uh, actually the title of a Bob Dylan song, which uh, is very close to my heart, and we use that always as our final number um, in the show because it's a blessing. And his, I'm so pleased that he was recognized with a Nobel um, Prize for his poetry because he has written such amazing lyrics. And have you made a collection of all your uh, lyrics and things? Where What's going to happen to that one day? Will it go to the University of Natal, which is where you started out? Oh, gosh, out? I haven't thought about that. Yes, I must. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I often think about these things because I've got, I think I've got every program that I've been involved in since I started, from when I was at school. Boy, that's like I've a great them, museum. Yeah, I've kept them catalogued. Well done. You sound yeah. like my husband. <laughs> He's also a perfectionist and keeps yeah. every little detail. It's a wonderful thought, Richard. That's yeah. fantastic. And it's great heritage for the future. It is. And someone will d- – well, I'm going to dig through it myself yes. because I want to write something about you, you know, the, my you. life too because I think – well, I like to think I've had an interesting oh. life and that people would be interested in, and I'm, you have too. Yes. Have you thought of writing your life story? Um, I'm keeping that for when I'm about 80 because then I'd have had another hugely sensational amount of things to do. <laughs> yeah, because once COVID's over, you're going to break out again. Yes, I want to do all sorts <laughs> of things. Like, for instance, the song Tomorrow's Child that uh, I sang. That I'm trying to get that to Greta Thunberg because it's, it's about saving the world, you know. <laughs> So no flies on me. (laughs) Yeah, but here it comes, Forever Young. That was Forever Young, the Bob Dylan song, but sung by my guest in People of Note, Andre Hutting. And we're sort of coming towards the end of the program now. And this really, I see your final choices change the world. And what is happening to us at the moment really has changed our world in a big way. Yes, and that's why I chose this song to finish off my little program with you. Because um, it is really about how um, the way we're going to change the world is by changing our attitudes. Um, and you see all the frustration that goes on with um, between people. I mean, we are all the same human beings. And uh, we can all look at things differently. And I think that's how we will change the world, as we discussed earlier, that the way we think is the way we can change the world. And my song... Um, actually describes how um, how we can do that. Well, and and you have always, I mean, in spite of the many difficulties you've had in your life, you seem to have overcome them uh, in your own way and dealt with them and got on with life. And this, um, th- thank you, Richard. I, th- I think I, I like to think that I have because um, the most important um, product that comes from my life is joy and I feel that I'm I'm uh, have something to share and I think that that's one thing that the world can have is abundance of joy and and we're lucky that we live in Johannesburg oh yeah <laughs> very good ending there darling because <laughs> it's a I mean I love living in Joburg it's got a, a fantastic energy it and it's and just how's a, the weather I know the weather is perfect and it's such a great city it's a beautiful city full of wonderful people like you. And you. <laughs> and, and we have them all here on People of Note, which is yes. the program you've been listening to on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Cock. My guest tonight has been Andre Hutting, and she's going to have the final word. But just, I just want to say thank you for being on the program. It's been great to have you here, and thanks to Matabataba Khadebe, who's helped us put it all together. So all of you at home... Change your world. Listen to the words here. Be kind, be lovely, and just be yourselves because that's what we can do. So from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a fantastic week ahead as we finish off People of Note for tonight.